Welcome to the Flint Catholic Podcast. I'm Father Tony Smila. And I'm Michael Hasso. So welcome to 2022. I know. It's pretty exciting. It is exciting. My, my New Year's wasn't so fantastic, though. Yeah. Uh, you know, the New Year's Eve, I should say. New Year's Eve was not fantastic. That football game was tough. <laughs> we didn't talk about this yeah. beforehand, but uh, woof. Michigan has a long way to go. Yeah. Yikes. I was going to say, I heard it was a rough night for you. <laughs> oh, well. Next for year. my part, I went to sleep early. That's good. That's yeah. what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I had a couple of weeks off uh, for school, right? School was off. I got to be off a little bit. I mean, working on the weekends at the parish, but uh, yeah. during the week, um, had some time off. And uh, wouldn't you know it, woke up at 540 every single day. Ooh. The entire time. Yeah. Yep. It's hard when you're in that habit. Is this what it's like to get old? Yeah, oh. it is. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no sleeping in for me. Yep. That's all right. I took some naps along the way, too, so it was good. Yeah. All right, so as engrossing as this conversation is, I've got an even better, more engrossing conversation for you right now. You yeah. ready? All right, so I was uh, on the Pillar uh, website, so it's PillarCatholic.com. Um, I kind of like their stuff. I, th- I think they just turned a year old, so they're br- they're kind of new on the scene. Um, really? I yeah, I hadn't heard of the. I think I just heard of them before when we were talking about this before we yep. started recording. Yeah, so I'm kind of a fan of them. They put out some pretty good content. Uh, so they don't really have a lot of backing. So to get a lot of their stuff, it's a small subscription fee. But I kind of like it. It's good stuff. Here's one of the articles they put. So I've got a, a link to the article um, on, uh, on our um, description. And uh, it's about seminary formation. Aren't you excited to talk about seminary formation? The most exciting part. Seems really insider baseball. I know. I get it, right? It is. It is insider baseball, but (laughs) it's insider baseball that actually affects everybody, right? It affects everybody. So here's really the um, uh, synopsis of the article. So Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni, which is a cool name to say. Yeah, I was was just going to say that. It was like favorite bishop's name. Yeah, Salvatore (laughs) Cordelioni is the most recent American bishop to introduce a propedeutic. So you know what that is, right? Of course. Of course. I don't even know how to spell it. And I'm looking at it. (laughs) Propedeutic. I'm I'm, I'm like 80% sure I'm pronouncing that right. So he's introducing a propedeutic or a spirituality year as a component of priestly formation for seminarians studying to become priests in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. All right. I know we may have just lost 10 subscribers for me using that word propedeutic by itself, but allow me to explain. You almost lost me. I know. <laughs> I'm really sorry. So why address seminary formation on this podcast? Uh, really, the answer is because I, as a priest, I hear about all the needs of the people of God just all the time, constantly. Hey, I wish we had this. I wish we were able to do this. And I'm like, yeah, I wish we could too. I wish it'd be great. There's so many areas of our lives as Catholics that would benefit greatly from just simply having more priests. Um, Hospitals, schools, sacraments, evangelization, administration. And I actually see that in a pretty profound way right here. Um, We have a very unique situation here at Powers where we get to have two full-time priests here, which is like, it doesn't happen anywhere else. I don't know if there's anywhere in the country that has this, that's not a religious order, right? Two diocesans from priests at one high school. That's unheard of. And a deacon. And a deacon, yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's a pretty awesome setup. It's really cool. I love it. I think it's amazing what, we're, what we, me and Father Jim are able to do as two priests here on, on campus. I love it. And, you know, if we had lots of vocations, we could do this on a regular basis. Um, but priests just don't fall out of the sky. 
they aren't made in a factory or lab as much as you think I am because really? my hair is just so fantastic. <laughs> Must be made in a lab, right? Must be. Must be. So priests are first seminarians. Seminarians are first young men in the world. And that's kind of how it always is, obviously, right? Duh. Yeah. So it isn't only the, the uh, responsibility of the vocation director of the diocese to foster these vocations. Really, it's the responsibility of all of us. So this is where I'm heading, right? It's all of our responsibility to make sure this happens. Uh, so we are to encourage good vocations. We are to pray for and support the men uh, struggling with the call. We're to pray for and support men in the seminary. Uh, take it from me. Seminary is incredibly difficult, incredibly hard. It is not fun. I really don't ever want to do that again. Um, <laughs> just, nope, all done with that. Holy cow. Whew. So we're also to pray for and support those who run seminaries. I think them in particular, those who run the seminaries, yeah. they have such a oversized effect on the formation of priests and really the direction of an entire diocese falls on their shoulders. Well, in many dioceses. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, Sacred Heart has a bunch of dioceses. Yeah. When I was in Minnesota um, at uh, St. John Vianney Seminary, we had guys all the way from Alaska and Alabama Yeah. in one seminary. Yeah, and it's like when you think about that in a way, it's like at least some of our, you know, some of the leaders of our seminaries, it's like they might have more influence than a lot of bishops in I that way agree. I would especially heartedly agree on the future of the church because these people these seminarians are at least some of them eventually going to become associate pastors and then pastors exactly and right. eventually some of them bishops that's exactly right so this is a huge huge impact that they can have on a lot of young men's lives and on the whole church yeah yeah, it's so important. And so really to, to pray and support those who run seminaries is such a big deal. Um, and especially when they make decisions like this, which are so, so good. And one of the reasons I really wanted to bring up this article is, when was the last time you saw an article and it made you feel good? Right? You saw uh, yeah. some, a news ticker item and you're like, oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm excited and encouraged by this. Yeah. Like not very often. So when it happens, I want to make sure you guys know about it. <laughs> so, uh, I'm gonna, uh, so he continues in the article, for a long time, I've been wanting to institute a spirituality year here. So it's Cordy Leone talking. I've been wanting to institute a spirituality year here, but it is difficult to add on an additional year to the formation process. So we've been doing a kind of spiritual formation in the summers for the students in pre-theology. And then last year, we got more serious about instituting a full propedeutic year because this is in the ratio fundamentalis. All right, we'll skip the, uh, the, the Latin there. Um, <laughs> Essentially what we're saying here, so the spirituality year, let's actually talk about the spirituality year for a second. Um, from the moment I, I stepped into seminary to the moment I left, really, it's an academic program. It's really focused on the academics. I got to know what I need to know, which is good, right? I mean, I'm not here to blast the academics. I think it's important that I'm smart and, you know, SMRT, right? I need to be yeah. smart and know what I'm talking about. That's an important thing. Um, but really, there's, to me, there's just an over-focus on that. Um, and I think a lot of the other things suffer because of that. So they're, they're recognizing this and they're saying, listen, we got to focus on the, the human element. We have to focus on uh, the spiritual formation, all these other, the pastoral formation. Those need to be there too, not just the academic formation. And so a spirituality year is a year outside of academics. Um, and in fact, the way they describe it here, it's even better than that. So if I wanted to, I could have taken an optional spiritual year during my seminary time. Just, hey, I need a year just to focus on different things, focus on my spirituality, get away from the academics because the academics are blowing me away. Could have done that. A lot of guys do choose to do that. Um, I didn't choose to do that. Um, didn't feel 
called by God to do that, so I never did. Um, but a lot of guys do. But there they're going to make it mandatory as part of the program. And uh, as we'll see, it's a really cool part of the, man the mandatory program. So he continues, he says, as we started planning for it, and I talked with the other bishops who sent students to study in San Francisco, everyone was in favor of it. This is really encouraging. Like, I yeah. like this. It's encouraging because it isn't easy to make a decision like this. Yeah. There's a lot of pressures in a seminary, a lot of pressures that especially seminary rectors have. Uh, they're in a difficult position um, in a seminary, and I, I get it, where they want to form men to the priesthood well, yeah. but they also need to do so quickly. Yeah. Right? And I was just going to say, if you think about it from the bishop's position, like if he got support from other bishops, there is this tension of like you have people and not even necessarily the bishops themselves, but I'm sure other pastors and yep. the church in general that they're responsible for. They're like, we're waiting for these, you know, soon to be young priests. Yeah. And they just agreed to taking an additional year of formation. Right. And, you know. Seminary I can see how already, that'd be unpopular. It for already sure. takes between six and nine years. Yeah. Like it already does. And so, you know, if you're going to add another year on top of that, you're waiting a decade from a guy, time the guy starts to get time the guy finish. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. It took seven years myself and certainly could have taken a couple more. So yeah, there's this, this tension between the two where the seminary director wants to make sure this guy is really well formed and he'd probably have him for two decades if he could. Right. Yeah. Um, but then there's also this, uh, Perhaps, and I don't want to say it's a conscious pressure, right? I think it might be an unconscious pressure from the diocese. They, they're in desperate need of priests. Like, we need priests. Uh, and, you know, we in the diocese of Lansing are pretty blessed. We, we, we're not in that dire need. But there are some that, like, they're really in need of priests. They need priests. Oh, yeah. And priests bad. And so there's a, there's a pressure to keep the seminary experience short and to ordain as many men as possible. Yeah. That's a tough place to be. All right. Um. So he continues, despite the positive results, both Wag Vag Wagner, wow, not Wagner. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a result of my uh, Michigan fandom, uh, yeah. Franz Wagner, yeah. uh, Michigan basketball player. Um, <laughs> both Wagner and Cordelioni recognize that adding a dedicated propedeutic year to the beginning of seminary can be a challenge for some dioceses and seminaries. For me, there are no hesitations about the spirituality year, which we're properly calling the propedeutic year. How many times are they going to throw this word into this article? Propedeutic. Oh, my goodness. I think somebody was really a fan of no this word. No doubt. <laughs> my goodness. It was like the first reading from yesterday where the yeah. word love was in nine times. Yeah. In like three sentences. Yep. All right. We get it. It's all yep. about love. <laughs> we get it. All right. I got to keep going. Uh, Cordelioni said, Although I know for some bishops there are hesitations precisely because it is adding on another year of formation. There are bishops who would like to see if there is another way you can incorporate this in the seminary formation, Cordelioni said, but I think we need that year. I think they need that year of transition before they go full into seminary formation. This is the difference that I think is fantastic. I 100% agree with this. I 100% agree this is absolutely needed because what they want to do is they want to put it at the beginning of the seminary formation. Put that, yeah. se put that spirituality year right at the beginning. Yeah. I was actually really impressed by that because I, I, didn't, I didn't really know where you were going with this. I didn't know it was going to be at the front end. But I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, let's get them started on the right footing. That's exactly Let's right. make sure that they know, that they feel confident that this is the call from God. Well, I, I think you it's know. even more than that because at least for me, it took five years to, to know, like, I'm actually going to be a priest. 
Yeah. I was in my fifth year of seminary when I realized it. And maybe that spirituality year would have helped. I think there's even more that's, that's in that too. Certainly, certainly guys can do that and figure it out in that first year. Um, then you still have like yeah. seven years, eight years after that. That'd be yeah. awful. And I don't know if you know this, but I'll throw it out there anyway. Do you know what this propedeutic year actually looks like? Are there any details that are? Yeah, we'll, we'll keep okay. going. It's, it's okay. in here. It's in here. And this is like that part is what gets me kind of excited too. So it's good stuff. All right. So uh, before we get there, he continues in the article says it's responding to what's happening in the culture and then doing something positive. So we're living in such a toxic culture and education is such a hard thing now. People have shorter attention spans. The pervasiveness of technology and social media feeds that. I don't think a lot of men are really ready for seminary formation when they enter. Yes, preach. Because I wasn't ready. They need a year basically to detox, to focus on human formation and spirituality in order to prepare them to really reap the fruit of their priestly formation when they enter the seminary. Yes. Cody Leone says that he hopes the propedeutic year ding, will form a sort of novitiate for the diocesan priesthood. And I love, mm, love that they're using that language too. Right, a novitiate to the seminary. You novitiate yeah. to the priesthood. You gotta, oh. you gotta fit more multi-syllable words in there. <laughs> oh man, novitiate. <laughs> no, I agree though. It is, a, it, it is a very good word for it. <laughs> yeah. So like, just a, a preparation time to enter the seminary. In addition to focusing on a regimen of prayer, spiritual development, personal discernment, the year will also include a technology fast. Yes. Uh, technology uh, fast, the Archbishop said, with students breaking from computers, smartphones, and social media for six days a week. Whoa. Right? That's nice. That is. So my first year in seminary, we had something similar to this, where we weren't allowed to have personal laptops, personal technology for the first year. Um, wow. We certainly had computer labs there, and we were able to use you know, the technology that was there. We couldn't have our own personal ones. And that, I think, made a big difference, right? So yeah. I wasn't, you know, even, uh, we were, I had a, I didn't have a smartphone then. I had a dumb phone, so that was easy enough for me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that, like, that first year did help detox. So I had, like, a half version of this, and, man, it was awesome. It was great. We find how quickly, um, how much we rely on those things and how much they don't fulfill. Yeah. So I'm all in favor of this technology fast, all in favor of all the things they want to do, but that part really just yeah. like, screamed out at me well, and just went, yes. And I think all of our listeners know how much you dislike social media. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. That's the easy part for me. Gosh. Oh, I hate social media. No doubt. That's the easy part for me. Now, think about this. If I had to give up Michigan football, watching that on Saturdays. Maybe that's your one day a week, though. Well, it could be. That's true. It's one day a week. Yeah. And, and it's only the, part of the year, too. It's true. It's only part of the year. Especially if they lose. And I certainly don't have to give up the Lions, so, you know, that's not, that's not a sacrifice. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So I, I love this. You know, so many of us are addicted to social media, video games, YouTube, Netflix, right? There's so many things that grab at our attention. Um, so to be given an opportunity to detach from all of that, um, that's a really great gift you're giving guys. And it's going to be so immensely beneficial to them. Yeah. Um, it isn't helpful to diocese or people to have a priest who isn't ready to accept the demands of the priesthood. Now, are any of us ready to accept the demands of the priesthood? No. Is anyone ready to accept the demands of marriage when you get married? <laughs> no. Right? No, of course not. You're not ready for it. You just kind of jump in. You're like, all right, we'll figure this out. Yeah. Right? But it isn't helpful um, to someone who's not ready to accept it. Yeah. Right? you you got to figure it out some way. But, um, And I would say in the priesthood, 
we definitely have a target on our backs from the evil one. Yeah. Like that's, man, Ooh, spiritual warfare is yeah. real. No doubt about that. And we all know too well what happens when priests aren't ready to deal with that. Yeah. They show up in the newspapers. Yep. And that's not good. Nobody wants that. It would definitely, and I, I'm well okay to say this, it would have been better if they'd not been ordained at all. Yeah. And that's a sad thing to say, but it's true. It's true. So seminaries shouldn't feel the need to ordain everyone who goes through. And they don't. You know, I'm not saying they do, but you know, if you're worried about, well, we're letting a lot of guys go, well, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Right? I'd rather they do that than ordain guys that shouldn't be ordained. Yeah. All right. Next line. We're almost through. Seminary formators saw a need to be sure academic progress would not be the only criteria for moving forward in priestly formation. <laughs> now you're speaking my language. <laughs> I had to throw that part in there. Yeah. Just, I saw that and went, yes, my heart melted. It was so good. Yes. Not just academic, but uh, in fact, it actually goes even further than that, and I love it. The revised PPF. Oh, of the, course, the of PPF. Of course, the PPF. <laughs> we all know what the PPF is. The program, pro, program for Priestly Formation. So in, you know, Insider Baseball, Insider would be, it's not Insider Baseball, it would be Insider Vatican circles. Yeah. Insider Church circles. Yep. Something like that. Uh, that's, PPF is kind of out there, but PPF is a program for Priestly Formation. So um, the revised PPF includes new weight given to stages rather than years for different phases of formation. Tobin said, the PPF's focus is on benchmarks, the outcomes that must be achieved to the next stage in his formation, rather than on chronological times. Sources close to the USCCB, the US, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, told the pillar that the draft PPF sent to Rome would allow for a variety of, of options for the propedeutic stage, ding, including that it take place concurrently with other aspects of formation in some cases, rather than requiring a distinct period of time. I really like this. I'm a big fan of this. It's encouraging to me, too, because it isn't primarily about the academic formation and treating the seminary like a graduate school. That's really what seminary oftentimes felt like, a graduate yeah. school with a bunch of stuff added on top of that. So, yeah, it was... To be honest, that's what it sounded like from yeah. talking to many priests. No doubt. It really is what it felt. And I didn't want to go to college anyway, right out of high school, and so it put me in the middle of all that, and it was like, mm, gross. Yep. So it's about forming men and preparing them for the priesthood. Is real life like graduate school? Oh, of course. <laughs> not at all. This is why you jump on YouTube to see my face reaction to that. Yeah. You're not on YouTube and seeing this live on YouTube. Yep. You missed me about pass out from being angry. Anyway, <laughs> it's about forming men, preparing them for the priesthood, right? That's what it's all about. And uh, just like in spiritual life, different people go at different paces. And that's okay. If you need to take more time, that's fine. There shouldn't be a stigma attached to that. Shouldn't be a you know, mark of shame or a red flag that this person isn't doing what he needs to do. Hey, I'm going at the pace I need to go. If I need to slow down a little bit here, I'm going to slow down a little bit here. Um, and so in the end, I really think this is great news. I really hope this attitude is adopted everywhere. You know, we don't need more priests. We need more good and holy priests, faithful priests. The formation that seminarians receive is a major influence over his entire priesthood. And we should make sure that we're putting men in the best possible position to serve God and serve the people well. That's what it's all about. And I, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if seminaries do that super well right now. Yeah. They're, they don't, they're okay. I have nothing to complain about in my seminary formation. I thought it was fine. Um, but we certainly with this, this is a really good step in the right direction. Yep. 
So, and really, the lady, you guys have a lot to say in that. So encourage and support your bishops and vocation directors uh, to see the great benefit of this, right? Most of all, pray for them. Pray for them. Um, I will tell a small story about this or a real uh, personal thing that I've experienced. So when I was at St. John Vianney in, in Minnesota, um, that was my college seminary out in the Twin Cities. And um, that place was like bathed in prayer. Like in such a, it was so powerful to me where I would take one step inside the doors and, and I could like literally feel it. Like there was something that was protecting all of those doors in that building. Like you were inside that building, the seminary building, you felt the protection. It, I don't know how else to explain it besides I felt protection. That's and that awesome. was so cool. Just knowing that that place was bathed in prayer over and over again, constantly, um, not that I didn't really feel that at, at Sacred Heart, but there was a, it was profoundly noticeable at St. John Vianney. And that's the power of prayers, the people praying for their priests, praying for their seminarians, praying for the people that are going to care for their spiritual needs. And that's yeah. so great. And that's so needed. And so I encourage all of you to do that. Pray for your bishops, your vocation directors, your seminary rectors, their teachers, the formators. Pray for the seminarians. Pray for the young men who are being invited to this incredible life of the priesthood because it is a great life. I love being a priest. And it's, a, it's just awesome. And I would not have made it through seminary without the prayers of so many people. Seminary was super hard. It was just awful. I, I, I'm not built for seminary in any way, shape, or form. Everything about it, you look at me and go, He's not going to make it. And yet here I am through the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer, God. So prayer matters. It's important. And especially when they take positive steps like this, man, encourage, pray, keep it going. I love it. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. All right. Got some announcements here uh, after the break. And we will jump in to what does it mean to be hashtag blessed? Yep. The blessedable is coming. Let's go. (laughs) Are you in need of a retreat? I kind of I am. I'm ready for a retreat. I'm in need of a retreat. If you are in need for a retreat, January 7th through the 9th at St. Francis Retreat Center in DeWitt, they're having a women's retreat. Uh, a week later on January 14th through the 16th, uh, St. Francis Retreat Center is having one for the men. So uh, let's see, five, six. You got a couple of days, women. Sorry. And uh, you've got about another week, men. So uh, take a closer look at Matthew's Kelly, Matthew Kelly's popular book, Rediscover Jesus. And rediscover what we know about Jesus, who he is and who he was, and how that should impact our lives today. So check us out on Friday. It begins at 5.30 p.m. with Mass following at 6.30, then dinner. The retreat concludes on Sunday around 11 a.m. The suggested donation for the weekend is $185. For for more information or to register, visit www.stfrancis.ws. Ooh, they got a new website. That's fantastic. I like it. It's snazzy. St. Francis.ws or call 517-669-8321. Again, the number is 517-669-8321. All right. Welcome back to the Flint Catholic Podcast. Yeah, so this segment, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be hashtag blessed. Blessed. We also threw around the idea of the blessedable. 
Yeah, but I didn't actually come up with that. So I have to credit Father Gordon Regal for that. At, yeah. uh, when he was at St. Robert's in Flushing, he came up with the Blastival. And what I wanted to do was, do you remember the All the Things meme? So it's like a stick figure, and he's like, oh, yeah, got yeah. his hand up. And yeah. So I wanted to have, bless all the things. <laughs> he didn't like that idea. He didn't get it. Sorry. That would be a very convenient blessing, though. <laughs> it would have attracted all of the millennials yep. to see the meme work like for that. For sure. For sure. <laughs> So yeah, let's talk so, about blessings. So yeah, this week, this past Sunday, at, at least for when we're recording this and when this episode will drop, we just experienced the epiphany. Yes. And so that reminded me of blessings because there's a special blessing that comes with the epiphany. Yep. Um, many of you are probably familiar with the, the blessed chalk and writing on the, the frame of the door of our homes and stuff like that. Um, so it's this special time of year where we're able to bring a blessing to our homes and actually to others, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. So this time of year also, this is one really cool thing. Not, not everywhere does this anymore, but there's special epiphany water, which is really cool, really cool. Uh, a lot of people don't know. I, I actually only found this out maybe a couple of years ago. But a lot of people don't know there's three different kinds of holy water. And there may actually be more. I don't, I don't know if there's anything I'd other think, than I'd this. I'd have but, to think about it. But I know there's at least three. So you have regular holy water, which is just water that just is blessed in yep. the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? It's a little more involved in that, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have exercised holy water. Yes. Which is, that's the good stuff. You got exercise salt. And it, it, basically, it's a longer prayer few minute Typic- blessing uh, something like that maybe 10 minutes when I, yeah when i do it i like to do it in latin oh okay really f- unleash the full power of the blessing yeah yeah so it takes a little longer it might just be because it takes me longer to get fumbled through the latin yeah yeah but it's yeah it's pretty cool you'd like sprinkle the the salt in there after you exercise the salt yeah yeah so that's like turbo powered yeah that's like your diesel holy water yeah <laughs> if i got I like that right that. Yeah. yeah 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 so Again, really cool. But then there's actually even another level of holy water, and it's epiphany water. Mm-hmm. And part of why it's so special is because it can only be blessed one time a year. Yeah. On the epiphany. And I don't know if, again, this might be a, a Latin thing. I don't, I don't know if that's it or not. But my understanding is this blessing takes like an hour or something like that. So when it's, or can, when it's done the right way. Yes. So yeah. I've done that before. Um, so you've got me as a priest and then you've got a cantor just kind of chanting back and forth. A lot of Psalms, a lot of Latin. Yeah. And, uh, so then you do the water, you do the salt. Yeah. It took at least an hour. That yeah. one, the one time I did it the full way through. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool though. Yeah. There's so it's a people, big thing. people responding in the chant too. It's, it was awesome. Yeah. It's a very like liturgical, a liturgical sort of blessing in that way. It, yeah. Like it, it's very involved. Well, what was really cool about that one too is everyone kind of brought their own chalk. They brought their own water. So I'm like surrounded by the like probably 50 uh, milk gallon jugs of water. Yeah. And then like just boxes of chalk over here, all kinds of chalk. Yeah. It was really cool. So everyone brought their own. It was super awesome. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Last year, I I actually I couldn't make the the mass where there was going to be a lot of, a lot of blessings of this afterwards. And so I just handed my, a friend of mine that I knew was going, I was like here and gave him a gallon of water. Yes. <laughs> and they were like, really? Okay. I guess I got to up my game then. That's exactly. So then right. they got their gallon of water. 
hey, this has got to last all year long. Yeah, exactly. Man. Yeah. You got to make sure you don't run low. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have the Epiphany power right now. Yeah. I can't make Epiphany water. Sorry. Yep. So Comes you're like year. another, what, 360-some days away well, from being able to do it again. Depending on which calendar you use. Yeah, yeah. There it is. I know. It is. <laughs> <laughs> we got into this before we started we recording. But <laughs> we did. Yes. It was a couple yeah. Sundays ago. I woke up that Sunday feeling like, I have the Epiphany power. Yeah. I could feel it. I was going to say, you could you could like feel your hands like tingling or something, and you're like, Yes, I could. <laughs> yes, I could. And this is why you should watch the YouTube version. Watch the YouTube. <laughs> We're just like forcing everyone on YouTube. Yep. I don't even like that when, like, I would listen to all my podcasts not on YouTube, so yeah. I don't know why I'm forcing people to do what I don't do myself. Yeah. It sounds a little hypocritical. It is. I'm a hypocrite. That's terrible. All right. Anyway. Talk about blessings. I need to be blessings. blessed. I need to be blessed. So I wanted to talk about a couple of misconceptions about blessings in general, because I found this a lot. Many people think that only priests or other clergy can give blessings, and that's actually not not the whole truth anyway. Um, we as baptized Christians can also impart blessings. There's actually a blessing. I, I don't know exactly where this comes from, but I know there's like a special blessing for parents to bless oh, yeah. their children when they're, particularly when they get engaged oh, to be married. Cool. I don't think I knew that. And actually, now that I think about it, it might be a special like Polish blessing or something like that. You would know that. Yeah, because I think it was like, <laughs> I think this was my in-laws that had done this or something, um, now that I think about it. <laughs> but there there are traditional blessings for lay people, especially yeah. for parents to bless their children. For sure. And the way to think about that is, you know, parents have authority over their children, and that's yeah. that's what allows them to bless, yeah. right? So when you think about a traditional blessing, right, what do, we, what do we have authority over? Through our baptism, we have authority over evil spirits. We have authority over bad things, right? We have authority in Christ Jesus. So that baptism allows us to bless. So parents certainly have authority over their children yeah. and can bless them. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Thinking oh, about I'm sorry. No, no, that's great. Thinking about authority, because it's really, it's really about authority. We have a special authority for blessing, particularly our closest loved ones. Yeah. And that's, sure. that's such a powerful thing. And so we shouldn't, we shouldn't underestimate that. Um, so like, just for example, parents, you should be blessing your children all the time. When I was growing up, my parents would bless me and my siblings every night, all the time. And that was so powerful. I can't, I can't speak highly enough about the impact that that had on me, mm. especially looking back. I, you know, I probably didn't, didn't realize the full, the full impact of that in yeah. that moment, but that was huge. So I'm curious, what did it, what did it look like when your parents blessed you? So, um, what my mom would often do was just like a sign of the cross on the forehead, mm -hmm. like with her thumb, Yep. kind of like at baptism. Yeah. That's a great way <laughs> very to do similar it. sort of thing. It's a very great way to yeah. do it. And actually now that I think about it in the rite of baptism, parents yes, bless their children. They do. So this is all over the place. But oftentimes we don't, we don't necessarily recognize it. So I think it's just really important to, to call our mind to all of these things. But also, going back to authority, what else do we have authority over? Our homes. Mm. Yep. Because this is, this is the place where we live. This is the place where we raise our families. This is, 
this is a place that in particular we have a special authority over because we live there. And so while I still highly recommend getting a priest to bless your home, what I'm saying is it shouldn't just stop there. Yeah. So like just, just for instance, when Ola, my wife, and I, when we bought our house, we had a friend of ours who's a priest bless the house, but we never stopped blessing the house. Yeah. We actually, we bless our house regularly. I, I don't really know how frequently, maybe, maybe monthly, maybe more than that sometimes, I don't know, but just frequently blessing our house with holy yeah. water and just asking God to bless us and bless our house. Yeah. That's something no you can do all the time. It is. And it's, it's just, it, it doesn't even require more than just grabbing some holy water. Yep. Yeah, there. exactly. Just kind of get in a place a little wet. Yep. It's good. Uh, one of my favorite uh, blessings is part of the blessing of a house though for a priest. Yeah. Um, and uh, especially if you use the, the right version of the, uh, the translation, it talks about granting them the fatness of earthly needs. <laughs> it's just fantastic. I love saying it. And I always kind of emphasize it when I know someone hasn't heard that before, as well as the fatness of earthly needs. Bring it all to them, Lord. It's so great. I love it. In, in that same book, too, by the way, actually, I, I must say, maybe that's my second favorite because my first favorite is one I've only done once. Yeah. So I've, it's an older book, right? The Blessing of an Automobile. Like, okay, yeah. it's not a car. It's an automobile. This book's a little dated, right? Yeah. In there, I found a blessing for lard. Wow. I know. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm, I was, I'm at somebody's house. I was in Ann Arbor at the time, and I'm at, at somebody's house, and we just blessed their house. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I've got this uh, book here, and it's, uh, it's got a blessing for lard in it. I want to find some lard someday and bless it. He's like, we got lard. Bring in the tub of lard. He had to, like a full tub of lard. Oh, that's awesome. I know. He's like, can you bless this lard? I'm like, yes, I can bless the lard. It was nice. great. So only once in my life have I blessed lard. You should ask around among your brother priests and say, hey, have you ever blessed lard? That's exactly right. I, I bet you're I, the only one. Yeah, I was going to say, I would. I, I just have a feeling that you might be the only one in the diocese. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I have a picture of me blessing the lard, too. So if I do, I'll put it up on the screen. I'll show you after the show. That'd be great. <laughs> it was awesome. So anyway, why, why do we have this ability to bless stuff? Father Tony already alluded to this. Part of it comes from the word Christian. The word Christian means little anointed one. So, so Christ, the word Christ actually means anointed. Christian means little anointed one. That's so cool. we have, by, by virtue of our baptism, we have the blessing of God on us. Wherever we go, we bring the blessing of God. We have the ability to bless others, and not just like in a superficial way of like, oh, you're, you know, people can kind of throw that out sometimes of like, oh, you're such a blessing. But there really is something supernatural there of what a Christian can do in the lives of those around them. It, it's really so powerful, and anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. Uh, whether praying for people or, or even blessing people materially, so many different ways we can be a blessing to others. Yeah. So, um, so one example of this that I love is the East Side. So we had Sister Christina on here before. Yep. Um, we've heard about the great work that's happening 
at St. Mary's on the east side of Flint. And this is really where I first got a real appreciation for the Epiphany blessing, more so than any other time in my life. Because one of the things that they always do around this time of year, and I would imagine that they're going to be doing this even tomorrow, the actually the day this episode drops, I would imagine, they're, they send out people with chalk and with the Epiphany blessing. Um, and they just pray with people, both Christians and non-Christians. Yeah. They, they bless anyone's home that wants a blessing. And so you go around the east side, and you'll see it all over the place, all over doors in chalk. The um, I think it's 20 plus C plus M plus B, and then the last year. Yep. So you'll see it all over the place, and people recognize what a blessing it is. Like, we'll, we'll talk to people after the fact, and they'll say, oh, my gosh, you have no idea how much of a blessing that was to have you here blessing my home. And they're not even Christians. Right. They don't, they don't, in, on some level, like, they don't realize what just happened. But on another level, they do. They Maybe do. in a way that, that we don't always appreciate. Yeah. So this is, this is a huge thing. So I, I really encourage everyone in this season, bless your homes. Yep. Do the, the epiphany blessing to your homes, but maybe even offer it to a neighbor. Maybe even maybe somebody you know that's in need of a blessing. Doesn't matter if they're Catholic. Yeah. Doesn't matter if they're Christian. You can still bring that blessing to them. Yeah. Let's bless all the things. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Is there anything else you had to say? No. Nope. Right, that's great. all. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, join us next week. Uh, I don't know what our topic is next week. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll It'll figure it out. See you next week. See you guys.